fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome into the program. It is the middle of the week, and what a wild, crazy, radical day it's been, man. Totally radical. We'll get to a lot of information today. Holy cow, do you feel better that the economy is like in the tank right now and that you have people lying to you saying that it's going to be okay? Oh, don't worry. Everything's working out. Everything's great. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Holy cow, man. I've never been lied to so much in my entire life. Welcome into The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live. Out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to us. We love you to death. Welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty. Bottom of the hour, we have Congressman Frank Lucas from the 3rd District of Oklahoma. My southern neighbor right here in the state of Kansas where I'm hailing from. We'll have him on the program. He is on the... Uh, a few different committees. He's on the Ag Committee, which means uh, the inflation rates, prices of food, prices of eggs and meat. We'll talk with him about that, what they're doing with the Farm Bill for 2023. Also, this is a really cool one. He's the chairman of the Science, Space, and Technology Committee. What do they do on that one? And yes, of course, I ask him about uh, civilization on Mars, about trips to the moon, and about UFOs and aliens. Why? Because I'm just that kind of guy. So we'll have that fun conversation with him at the bottom of the hour. But first, uh, I want to get into what's trending, obviously, here. This happened just moments ago. What's trending today? As today was the big day. Now, I want to warn you that the media, we predicted this, obviously, because it's very predictable from the mainstream media. The doom and gloom, the crazy negative rhetoric of the debt ceiling, raising the debt ceiling, the Biden administration saying they're unwilling to compromise on cutting any type of spending. We just need, obviously, the debt ceiling to be raised without question, even though we are already at a 100% cap of debt compared to our GDP. That's an insane level right now. Kevin McCarthy and uh, President Biden just speaking a while ago and just moments ago before the program actually started, Kevin McCarthy came out, took some Q&A from the media, and I want to get your thoughts on whether you actually uh, think that this is encouraging or not encouraging from Kevin McCarthy. Let's put it that way. Look, I, I think the president and I have talked about a lot of different ideas, and we'll work to see if we can come to an agreement. Look, I, I know you. I know you all have a job to do, but I don't think we'll come to an agreement if I negotiate with you. I think the respectful way to do it is to talk to the president as we did right now for more than an hour. We both walked away. We have different perspectives. But we both laid out some of our vision of where we'd want to get to. And I believe after laying both of out, I can see where we can find common ground. I think the American public would appreciate that. And we, look, I've been very, I've been very clear. The current path we're on, we cannot sustain. We've got to change the directory to put ourselves on a path to balance. How we get there will be our discussions. This may just be me. But it doesn't make me optimistic about the future of this conversation with the debt ceiling, that he's optimistic that they have different opinions, but he's optimistic that we can find common ground. Here's the thing. The only common ground that I care about, and I know this may be extreme, this may be radical, it shouldn't be because of where we're at 
and how far we've come in this nation. It shouldn't be radical, but apparently this is in today's times, that the only common ground I want is saying we are not raising the debt ceiling a penny. Figure out how to sp- how to pay your damn bills with the revenue that's coming in right now without going further into debt. Period. End of story. Anything beyond that is a compromise that Republicans should not and will not, at least hopefully, make in this conversation. The rhetoric from the mainstream media has gone absolutely bonkers with CNN, MSNBC, all these other ones uh, saying, which get this, this is exactly the way we predicted it, is that it's Kevin McCarthy's fault if we shut down the government or if we default on any payments from the federal government. It's the fault of Kevin McCarthy for not just openly raising the debt ceiling without question. It's his fault. Now... There are four takeaways and observations before we go into the details of this. There are four observations during this entire discussion over the last few weeks regarding the debt ceiling and the U.S. hitting its debt cap at 100, again, 100% of the federal uh, GDP. There are four takeaways. Number one is the Biden administration continues to openly say publicly to their end that they're not compromising. So the whole conversation that Kevin McCarthy had with Joe Biden, I'm curious on what was said in that conversation because Joe Biden's openly said, Karine Jean-Pierre, the communications director, has openly said they are unwilling to compromise. Period. End of story. Raise the debt ceiling or it's your fault. Which we knew was going to happen. And I don't think Republicans were prepared for this debate to come this early on in the game, although I think it's good because all eyes are still focused Right now on Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans, we're watching you. That's observation number one. Number two, as expected, the media is blaming the GOP. Imagine this. Barack Barack Obama, probably Barack Obama behind the scenes. Joe Biden is not compromising. Period. End of story. Raise the debt ceiling without question. We're uh, We're not cutting spending at all. No compromise. Then the media turns around with their nice little spin game and says, Kevin McCarthy is unwilling to compromise in the conversations with Joe Biden. <laughs> Hold on here. Wait, what? Because remember, according to Democrats, compromise means Republicans give up what you believe in because you just have to do what Democrats believe in, which is why in the last 20-ish years, maybe even less than that, we've seen the drastic change from capping our debt at 40% of the GDP to now at 100% of the GDP. Ted Cruz, along with Rand Paul, they held a press conference just a couple days ago laying that out beautifully on exactly where we're at today compared to just a few years ago. Over the past two decades, Congress has been bankrupting our nation. You go back to the year 2000, our national debt was $5 trillion dollars. That sounds like a wildly different world than where we are today because it was a wildly different world. Think about that for a moment. Forty-two presidents over the course of more than two centuries had built up a total debt of $5 trillion. Then a Republican came into office, George W. Bush. And over the next eight years, under a Republican president, our national debt went from $5 trillion to $10 trillion. We doubled the national debt in just eight years. Then a Democrat came into office, Barack Obama. And over the next eight years, the national debt doubled yet again, going from $10 trillion to $20 trillion. Now pause and reflect on that. Forty-two presidents over two centuries build $5 trillion in debt. Two presidents, one Republican and one Democrat, over just 16 years quadrupled our national debt. And now over the last six years, again with a Republican president and a Democrat president, 
we've seen national debt grow from $20 trillion to $31.5 trillion. This is unsustainable. It's absolutely unsustainable, which is why, and again, I know these are a lot of numbers, and for most people listening, it kind of glosses over with you kind trying to comprehend the amount of money that's being spent right now. Just know that right now, as we speak, without even raising the debt ceiling right now, we could take every single penny from every man, woman, and child knocking on your doors, going all Nazi style of barging in, trying to steal every penny that you have saved underneath your mattress. If we took every single penny and every bit of value from the consumer private market, that would barely cover the debt that we have right now. Now, the good news is that with the revenue coming in on a month-by-month basis, the lies from the left side of the aisle of saying that we're going to default on our debt and it would be the first time it would be a travesty to the entire globe. That's an absolute lie. Again, Ted Cruz spoke a little bit later on regarding that issue, saying that's not going to happen. Let me be absolutely clear and unequivocal. The United States of America should never, ever, ever default on its debt. And whether or not the debt ceiling is raised immediately, the United States will not default on its debt. Why? Because revenue that comes in each month exceeds the interest payments that are owed. There is more than sufficient revenue coming in to ensure we never default on the debt. And every one of us supports legislation, legislation I call the Default Prevention Act, to put that in statute, to make clear the chances of a default are 0.00%. Now, sounds great. You know, by the way, just a thought here as well for the fourth point of observation. You know, one individual who's been extremely silent during this entire conversation, hasn't made a peep during the entire debt ceiling conversation from the Senate side? would be Mitch McConnell, the Republican uh, minority leader. Kevin McCarthy, obviously the front and center because he's the one that could block it. Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, they're speaking out from the Republican side on the Senate. You would think that the Republican leader from the Senate side would actually be speaking out as well, saying, hey, we stand with Kevin McCarthy. We're not going to vote. We're going to make sure the Republicans are whipped into voting against any type of debt ceiling increase. You realize that we haven't heard a single word from our Republican fearless leader, Mr. Mitch McConnell, on the Republican side in the Senate, because this bill that they're trying to talk about, trying to make sure that we appropriate the money that comes in on a monthly basis to cover the debts if necessary, put all the other spending on pause with other investments, and I use investments in air quotes for our radio listeners, that we would put those on pause to make sure we cover these debts. That's being stopped. Why Why isn't that going through? The reason the Default Prevention Act hasn't been passed is the Democrats block it. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's right. So the default prevention, the political game that's being played right now, obviously, because Democrats love to play political games and Republicans. But let's just focus on the it, big government elites right now who don't give a crap about the economy and want to destroy it. They're saying we're going to default on spending and default on our debt because we don't raise the debt ceiling. We try to put in place a priority saying that we will never, ever, 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 ever default on the spending for the government so that way we don't default on our debt and then they block that so they can use that as a political game to say hey look republicans want to default on the debt because they don't want to raise the debt ceiling because there's a very simple easy fix to this so don't buy the rhetoric cnn has a headline right now why the u.s economy could fall prey to mccarthy's ambitions (laughs) mccarthy's ambitions I'm pretty sure that McCarthy's out there, rightfully so, and he needs to do more on the PR front other than just going to the media after walking out of the White House. He needs to be out there even more so saying, I'm willing to compromise and find common ground. 
which I don't think he needs to be saying in the first place. He needs to be saying, we're not raising the debt ceiling, period, end of story. You're coming to our ground in our turf to figure out how to make sure to compensate for the uh, cap in spending. So figure it out and start reallocating money somewhere. That needs to be his real conversation, but he's not. He's saying, I'm willing to compromise and find common ground. While Joe Biden says, I'm unwilling to find common ground, you need to raise the debt ceiling, period, end of story. And the headline from the mainstream media, why the U.S. economy could fall prey to McCarthy's ambitions. CNN says President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy talked on Wednesday about more than the Washington power game. If the two most important leaders in Washington can't agree to lift the debt ceiling, no other opportunity, no other conversation. If they can't agree to raise the debt ceiling, period, end of story, what the Democrats want, by the time the Treasury runs out of money to pay its debts, the United States, the world's fabled economic safe haven, could go into default. And every American could be hurt by the ultimatum demonstration on how partisan politics including growing conservative extremism, is threatening the country's ability to govern itself and be doomed into a self-inflicted disaster. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the news reporting of 2023 and journalism today. There is no other conversation to be had. There's no other negotiation to be had, even though we've doubled the amount of debt we've seen over the last 20 years over and over and over again. We have to raise it, or people could get hurt, and that shows partisan politics, a.k.a. you're not getting along with the Democrat agenda and just going full board whatever we want because we're the spoiled, rotten brats that need a spanking in time out in their rooms because I'm sick of this crap. It's the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting messages during the social media. Andy, did you just say they need to be spanked and sent to the room? Yet yeah, Democrats are again like children. The elites, the government elites, they're like children. They want everything, or else they throw their temper tantrum. That's why Biden says, "I want all the candy right now, and you have to increase my candy." consumption or else it's all your fault and i'm going to throw a temper tantrum and blame it on you now andy do you really believe in spanking uh, that's not the point if that's what you want to focus on then fine okay whatever um doesn't work on my daughter we tried that when she was little once and she just giggled so i'm like you know what <laughs> not the best not the best way to handle that others can believe or not believe in spanking in some way shape or form not the conversation we're going to and going down it right now with the debt ceiling talks you know what needs to happen because I'm getting less and less optimistic about this conversation, and I think more individuals are as well. We voted Republicans in to say cut the damn spending, cut spending. And it's like cut spending. We want instant spending cuts right now, not down long term, down the road. We're going to cut it by 2%. You know what's going to happen here is that Kevin McCarthy is going to come into this deal. They're going to make a political deal behind behind closed doors, which kind of goes against the whole idea of transparency, which is another reason why people elected Republicans into the House of Representatives, that they're going to go into this conversation and say, we're going to cut 
something. We're going to cut uh, a couple million dollars, a couple hundred million dollars over a 10-year span to say that we did some cuts, we did something productive while you raised the debt ceiling. Happy little compromise. Republicans and Kevin McCarthy are going to come back out onto the media and say, look, we did it. We were able to cut some spending. We we're able to get fiscally responsible. We're going to be back on track. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to go ahead and raise the debt ceiling for these guys again to get us through the end of the year. And I'm here to tell you that I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Uh, for those of us that are dorks that like to talk about economic issues, that realize the economy is like the number one most important issue right now because we can't talk about uh, other flavorful political discussions. We can't have social discussions. We don't have the opportunity to discuss anything else unless we have an economy that allows us to live our lives and do our daily damn jobs. That we're the ones that voted you in office to say, stop right now, stop, not a penny more. Any bill that allows the debt ceiling a single penny higher right now needs to be voted no against by all Republicans. I don't care if the government shuts down. We will reappropriate the money to go towards our debt so we do not default in other programs that are funded by the government and other agencies can be on hold. They can go on furlough. They can shut down. I really don't give a damn. I really don't care. What really needs to happen is we need to have a bill that reappropriates the money that says that there's a new law that unlawful spending for more than the annual government income, the GDP. We need to have a law. We used to have a law that says it was capped at 40%. Now we apparently are at 100% wanting to go up to 130 140% of the GDP, and that's unsustainable. And no, there should be a constitutional law that says even if you don't pass a federal budget like you have not done since the Barack Obama era of 2012, since you have not been able to pass those, that worst case, you can never spend more than 100% of the GDP. Because you want to talk about high prices? You want to talk about the high inflation, the just randomly printing of massive amounts of money? That's what's causing it, regardless of whatever the Biden administration says. However, the media, again, trying to find their out while they're trying to play a hard line of, oh, we're willing to compromise if you just do everything we do. They're trying to find an out with that with another headline from ABC saying that the reason we have high inflation rates right now is because of not the government, but corporations. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The extreme conservative Republicanism, which they blame in the CNN report right now, the extremism of trying to be fiscally responsible and corporations on why prices are so high and why people are demanding prices to be lowered because corporations are jacking up the prices for goods. Let me tell you something. Uh, we still have, whether we like it or not or whether some like it or not, we still have a supply-demand economy for the most part, which means if prices are too high for a good, stop buying the product because if you continue to buy it at that high rate, they think they can get away with it at that high rate, and then we never fix anything. Stop buying it. And then when it sits on the shelves, the company realizes they have to lower the price to a sale to get rid of the product to generate more. What a concept. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. As always, it is a Wednesday for the middle of the week, and great to have you along for the ride. Really happy to have this guy back on the program for the first time for 2023. It's been too long since we've chatted with him from the great 3rd Congressional District down in the state of Oklahoma. It's Congressman Frank Lucas with us here. Congressman, how are you, my friend? 
as good as anyone can be expected to be when you're working in the nation's capital. And yes, it has been too long since we've had a conversation, and there's all manner of stuff going on here from how we organized up for the new session of Congress, the new balances between the two groups on ratios and majorities, the farm bill and appropriations and debt ceilings and there's just all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, you guys started off with a bang this year for sure. I want to start off with the debt ceiling because uh, the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, set to meet with the Biden administration today to talk about the potential spending cuts versus raising the debt ceiling. The Biden administration says it's a non-starter conversation to even talk about spending cuts when we've run out of money the third week of the month of January. We still have nine months to go for our budget for this year. Is there any opportunity that Republicans, that you guys can stand firm, that we can hold our ground, and even if it comes to a potential government shutdown, that we actually stop this madness of just raising the debt ceiling and spending massive amounts of cash? Well, the situation's so bad that something has to happen. And the first step, of course, is Speaker McCarthy going down and looking President Biden in the eye and making it quite clear that we cannot just continue to spend the way we spent money when Pelosi was Speaker of the House in the last four years. We just can't continue to do that. I don't know that I have a great deal of expectations of what have come out of this meeting, but at least the Speaker and the Republican majority of House have compelled, I won't say forced, compelled President Biden to acknowledge that we've got to talk about this. Ultimately, what happens is we have to change the trajectory of spending. We cannot continue to operate like this. I don't know what what the ultimate terms or agreement will be. I don't know how many days or weeks or months it'll take to get there, but this is a battle worth having. Yeah. Now, one other thing to remember. The Democrats will say, well, you're limiting our ability to spend money in the future. The debt ceiling is not so much about future spending. It's about covering all the hot checks that have been written in the past. All the money that was spent in the past now has come due, so to speak, to cover. We can't let the government default because if... And it's, and it's, it, it is protecting Social Security, yes. And it's protecting Medicare, yes. Those programs that matter to our older citizens and our citizens who, who, who are at that stage in life where they can't change their lifestyle, they can't change their plans. But it's also making sure we continue to fund defense. It's continue to make sure we continue to fund the Department of Ag programs. But where we are right now is unsustainable. And the fact that President Biden says that we just have to keep this party going, <laughs> this wild spending party going, is impossible. So yeah, go get them, Kevin. Go get them. That's what let's we need. make a difference. Because that's where the future is, is what we can get done with these people. Well, the problem is, is that we right now we're spending at 100 percent of the GDP. So we could take every penny from every man, woman and child in the private sector just to barely pay off our debts in the nation right now. Just what, 20 years ago, we just saw that we capped it. We weren't allowed to spend more than 40 percent of the GDP. Now we're at 100 percent. If we raise it up even more, we're sitting we're going to be sitting at near 130, 140 percent of our GDP in the private sector. That's devastating. Last time we went through these kind of gyrations, uh, Speaker Boehner was able to negotiate an agreement on capping spending for a 10-year period. That's now expired. We have to get back into some kind of an agreement on limiting overall spending in order to change the trajectory. Uh, I've been here long enough that in the late 1990s and right up until the day the, the, the terrorist attacked New York's 
attacked uh, the nation's capital and New York City and brought that plane down in Pennsylvania, we were in the third three and a half years of balanced budget at that point. Thank goodness we had a Republican House and the Senate, a balanced budget. We can get there again. You can't just go in and cut out the 29% that we're spending over because what that would cause would be a rumble through the economy and through the financial services and with people that's not sustainable. You've got to change the trajectory. You've got to enable people by not increasing their taxes, I'd say reducing their taxes, and restraining regulations or reducing regulations. You've got to let the economy grow, not spend the money, and work your way back into balance. We did that for three and a half years. Apparently, Joe doesn't remember that he was in the Senate when that happened. But that's how you get back there. You can't shock the system. You can't repudiate your obligations, but we can't keep going the way we are right now. No, we can't. Well, it's okay. He doesn't remember his name half the time anyways either, so I guess we have that going for us <laughs> at the same time. Let's shift gears slightly to food and agriculture. Obviously, you guys are working on the farm bill, which I want to talk about in a second, but the economy obviously still having a devastating effect on food right now. We're seeing eggs at three, four times higher than what the, I've ever seen yeah. them be. The inflation just yeah. hitting the, uh, the food market. As a whole, are we going to get better? Do you see some relief in the food market, meat prices, that sort of thing coming up here throughout the year? you got two problems that have been going on for the last two and a half years. One was, and I hesitate to even use the word that starts with C, that we had the disruptions in the food processing chains during the COVID mess, when literally you had packing plants shut down for brief periods of time, both beef and pork and, and poultry. That distorted the supply chain flows. Throw on top of that things like the war in Europe where Putin has invaded his neighbors in Ukraine that's driven fertilizer prices and diesel prices berserk and increased the cost of every fundamental chemical input uh, of seed. So you've got dramatically higher prices for producers. You've got a dramatically less stable supply chain for both raw materials and processing, and it's put us in this loop. This is a a part of why we have to pass a 23 farm bill with a functioning safety net that can meet the challenges of right now so that we can get back to whatever the new normal is going to be and prices will stabilize. And Oh, by the way, the inflation that's killing people on the farm and at home and in business, what is inflation? I don't care what the White House says. Inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods and services. That's the fundamental definition of inflation, pushing it up. The goods and services will increase as we provide stability and certainty in the economy. We'll have more work done. We'll produce more widgets. We'll produce more pounds of hamburger, more pounds of pork chops, more pounds of of, of chicken. But Getting a grip on the spending so you slow down that monetary supply is the other part of bringing it back into balance. I don't care what my liberal colleagues up here say. You can't repeal the laws of supply and demand. You can't You can't make people do things that are not in their best interest, and that's why we're in the situation we are now. Too much money, not enough goods and services, and people trying to protect themselves from this uncertainty. Yeah, that is very true. I know that last year we had heard news that you guys were a little bit behind on some of the Farm Bill conversations, but now that it's coming yeah. up for this year, are we getting ourselves caught back up? And what could we see coming out of this Farm Bill? What thing, what drives me nuts is that we always see so much of it going into the Farm Bill, discussing more on the social programs, the SNAP program, that sort of stuff, as opposed to the things that we really need to focus on, which is for the agriculture industry and farmers across the nation. 
Absolutely. You had four years of Democratic majority in the House. So the focus of the committee was on, I would say simply, they wanted to talk about who could farm and how they should be allowed to farm. That's not how, that's not how you produce food and fiber. If you're worried about picking who gets to farm and you're concerned about making sure they farm the way the government wants them to farm, that's not productive. That's not in the best interest. That's just that's just not. So with a change in control, we went through some uh, some gyrations in the Republican leadership, picking our speaker. Sure. It backed us up a couple of months, but under Chairman G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania on the Ag Committee, and I'm on the Ag Committee this again this cycle after a little bit of a leave. Uh, we're back at we're back moving forward. We're running a couple months behind. The ideal goal would be, as G.T. has expressed in my presence and many public meetings is, spend the first half of the year doing the hearings to see what worked, what didn't work in the old farm bill, to figure out how these new input costs and these new processing issues are affecting production agriculture, real farmers and ranchers out there in the field, then go into the third quarter, probably July, and try and pass a draft bill. Then in September, if the Senate's done their work, sit down and come up with a conference report working out the differences to have something on the table by the first day of October before the old Farm Bill programs start to unwind. And they don't all quit the same day. Many Farm Bill programs reflect the crop cycle. So depending on whether it's corn or wheat or rice or whatever, the program runs with the crop cycle. So it won't all stop on October 1. Now that said, we've got to get through the debt ceiling issues. We've got to make the first pass across the floor with the 12 appropriation bills, the actual bills that fund the various things in the government. Uh, We've got to get all that done so we can then focus in the worst-case scenario. And I want to do a new farm bill this year because things have changed enough. We need to make adjustments. The world's not the way it was in 2018. But if we can't get there, then we may have to have a short-term or an intermediate extension. I've been around here long enough, and I've fought through enough farm bills that sometimes we've extended a year at a time because, honestly, it's too important. The farm bill is just too important, not to just producers, but all consumers. Yeah. you got to get it right. A bad farm bill is worse than no farm bill. <laughs> and an extension, if that helps us get to a better farm bill, is where we have to go, but I just don't know that yet, timing-wise. There it is. That's Congressman Frank Lucas from the 3rd Congressional District of Oklahoma. We appreciate his time. Now, that interview went way longer than what we had anticipated, so uh, we're going to be uploading the rest of that as a special feature podcast, which you can find with the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on any of your favorite podcasting sites, and you'll, you can listen to the rest of it. We went another probably 15, 20 minutes after that because there was so much content talking about the Farm Bill and his being the chairman of the science space and technology committee as we talk about our exploration of the moon mars and even ufos yes we went there why because i love talking about it back after this with andy hoosier fighting for freedom every day the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today. Boy, oh boy, does the show fly right on by. Thanks again to Congressman Frank Lucas coming on the program. Yeah, it was when we set up the interview, which we love to get him on every few months and get an update from the ag side of things. Obviously, a lot of rule 
listeners for the radio program with the affiliates that we have right now as we continue to grow and expand. We love it. And even if you're not and you're in a city, then you know what? You still have to buy food. And the farm bill is a major piece of that one. So they asked, they're like, how long do you want? I went, hey, we have a 12-minute segment. Let's do 10 to 12 minutes. Okay, cool. Ended up going for about 25 minutes because of all the great information. Again, we didn't get to interview, uh, do a lot of that and air it on the show, so we may do a part two here in the next couple of days, but if you want to hear the full extent of the interview, uh, unedited and the in, in its entirety, you can go to our podcast at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier, and on any of your favorite podcasting sites, listen to that, download it, and some really, really great information. And yes, I'm telling you, we did. Probably the only conservative talk radio host in the country that will ever ask a congressman regarding the uh, trip to moon, the trip to the moon. So apparently, just to give you a little bit of a teaser, we're planning on going back to the moon. We're planning on some type of international spaceship uh, where people can actually live there and live off planet and starting civilization on Mars, working with NASA, working with SpaceX, and. Of course, we had to ask about aliens and UFOs, because who in their right mind would not ask the chair of the Science, Space, and Technology Committee and the plans to work with outer space not ask them about Mars or about aliens or about UFOs? I'm just saying, just throwing it out there. <laughs> with regards to the debt ceiling conversation, I am losing more and more optimism that we're going to be able to stop some of this. I am fearing that this is going to be a political game to where uh, they come to an agreement with Joe Biden about some long-term 10-year plan to try and cut spending over a 10-year uh, plan and slowly change the direction here. No, we've hit the level where we can't do that. We should have done that when we were sitting at about 60% of our GDP worth of debt. That's when we should have changed the directory. That's when we should have slowly converted back. Now we're at the point of no return. And I think most people believe, not to spread fear or doom and gloom, that's just the reality of the fact. We will bankrupt the nation. We will financially collapse this nation unless we do something drastic right now. And by drastic, I mean I love the plan of the fair tax of getting rid of the IRS, getting rid of federal income tax, going straight sales tax, completely overhauling our spending and saying we need to have a serious look here. Now, for those that are like, wait a second, Andy, I'm on retirement. I'm on, uh, to, you know, to Medicare or Medicaid. I'm on Social Security right now. I'm on the We Can't Sustain to Lose Those. We're not talking about that. And as much as the fear tactics that Democrats have of wanting Republicans to have people die in the streets because they don't care about you, it's a load of crap. It's truly, honestly, it's a load of crap. And we need to let people know about that. Our PR for the Republican Party, our messaging has been horrible. Kevin McCarthy's trying, but he's going through the filters of the rep- of the mainstream media, which is not going to be fair to him, which is why we still see headlines from the like CNN saying that conservative extremism in Washington, D.C. is uh, putting up a stagnant wall and allowing for a lack of conversation and uh, partisan politics that won't allow the debt ceiling to be raised. Uh-uh. No more. No more. We got to get that message out through radio, through podcasting, through TV. The problem is, is that we're seeing more of the conservative outlets being dwindled and being squeezed out of the markets. Obviously, the big news that we've seen from Newsmax over the last few days with uh, what is it, DirecTV that's cutting Newsmax? Why? Why? Now, here's the here's the thing: Congress is coming out saying we want answers, we want to understand the decision here. It's a private business making a private business decision on wanting to cut Newsmax. Now, ideally, if you're a by if you're a nonpartisan, if you're a middle of the road news agency or any type of company, then you would say we're going to put on programming that drives ratings because that creates revenue. And therefore, even if I don't like the political slant that they have, if it's popular and making money, then cool, I'm going to roll with it because I'm making money from it. 
You want to look at politics? That's the way most politicians are in Washington, D.C. right now. But for a private business, that would be the smart business decision. So DirecTV canceling Newsmax from their options and their channels uh, is either one of two options. Either they're not getting good ratings, which I highly doubt because I've heard from numerous different TV channels and TV stations across the nation that are saying we're getting massive amount of calls. We did not realize how popular this channel was. We're going to fight to try and keep this here. That's option number one. They didn't realize how popular Newsmax was. Or number two, they've hit the level of we're so big that we cannot fail. Therefore, we don't give a crap about your revenue for that channel and your popularity and your ratings for that channel. Therefore, we're going to go the too big to fail and we're too large and we don't care. And now we're going to squeeze out the ideas that we don't want because even if we take a small hit, it's not enough to harm us in any way, shape or form, which goes back to the idea that we allowed them to do that. Because while we complain about it, we continue to buy their products. It's up to us to decide which one that is. That does it for us today. Back at it tomorrow for a pre-Friday celebration. Until then, be your own catalyst for change. Be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.